It's time for a podcast, and I'm talking about a podcast podcast. Like messy, long, rambly, uh, a lot of the things that make the game has not been recently. So today we're going to ramble on about five things. What I'm working on, refocusing on game development, concept development, I hate marketing, and being authentic online. Let's do it. You're listening to Make the Game with Matt Hackett. What I'm working on, so right off the bat, obviously, is this podcast, Make the Game, which, uh, you know, started off kind of rough. The first episode, you could kind of hear the nervousness or the stiffness, at least, uh, in my voice. And it's, um, it's been a bit of a weird show because there are some episodes that are over an hour long, and there's some that are like six minutes or something, because um, I just wanted to crank some content out there, you know? The podcast has been a strange one for me because you can see like at some point along the process of making the episodes, I got kind of like I heard the sirens call of YouTube. I've always loved YouTube. I've, I've loved YouTube for like well over a decade. Um, and it's tempting with a podcast because like, <laughs> especially for us, you know, software engineers, a MP3 file is so easily an MP4 file. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like that's one command line call to turn a uh, audio file into a video file. And from there, you know, it can just be um, a black solid nothing video and you could upload that to YouTube, you could. You could just, I've done this before, I think with Lost Cast, maybe even make the game, but you just slap up your logo. There's no video at all, it's just the one image, but all of a sudden your podcast can be on YouTube and stuff. Um, and you've seen me kind of do that where there will be a podcast that's like, you know what, this podcast works with audio only. You don't have to see any video. There's video to accompany it, but it's optional. And so I'll put those um, everywhere. But um, it's a different thing, you know, to think about something, um, I guess, audio first, but then video extra. It's I've found it a little bit limiting because sometimes I want to do interesting things with video and I want to sync up the audio with the video and it's fun when the video can kind of fill in the gaps that the audio leaves and stuff like that. So um, this episode's not going to be anywhere but on the Make the Game podcast, wherever that is, right? Um, it's on Spotify primarily. I don't know where you listen. It's, it's on as many platforms as I can possibly get it on. I'm, that's kind of what today's episode is about, is trying to get back into the podcast. I, I like the long-form stuff. Um, <clears throat> I like it when people have got something that, you know, you can go reliably listen to on a long walk, you know? I'll, I'm there for you. I know that a lot of Lost Cast listeners used to feel that way, and um, Make the Game probably hasn't fit that shape terribly well, <clears throat> because it's, you know, like I was saying, uh, shorter sometimes, and... Um, you don't really know what you're going to get with Make the Game so far. Sometimes it's just me. Sometimes um, it's like a super excited me talking to a guest. And sometimes those are short. Sometimes those are long. Um, but I'm trying to get back into a podcast podcast. Back into my roots. Like I've been podcasting since uh, since my college days, really. Um, I made this. It was a short uh, podcast series. I made it uh, for a class project. It was called Sex Up Your Sounds. It was... Uh, just giving you tips on how to make good audio, make audio sound good. Ironically, I would then struggle for the next like 10 or 15 years with audio. Like if you go listen to Make the Game, there are episodes where like it gets like, like uh, severe volume issues. Um, but I'm not going to worry about that with this episode. It's all about being good enough. So 
Um, I'm trying to work on the podcast. Uh, I've been inspired a bit by my new friend, uh, Ben uh, Anderson, who is probably better known by uh, Heartbeast Online, who might be listening. Shout out to Ben. Um, boy, he, he launched a, a podcast recently. It was already like 10 or 20 episodes. Uh, very inspiring. Um, and it reminded me that like, hey, I have a podcast. <laughs> so I'm trying to get back into it. Um, okay, so that's the podcast. Uh, I'm also working on um, Steam Dev Cheat Sheet article. So uh, one of my most popular tweets back when Twitter existed was the Steam Dev Cheat Sheet. I don't know if you all know this about me. I've only had two uh, viral tweets, really, right? Like ones that got over a thousand. Um, oh, okay, three. I don't. <laughs> I don't count the ones that uh, got mean. Um, but anyway, um, I haven't had really had that many. But like, I've had some solid tweets, like a steady stream of solid tweets. But um, the Steam Dev cheat sheet one, the first one, got like over a thousand retweets. The second one got just a few hundred. <clears throat> but I know that there's something there. People really found it valuable. I find it valuable, and like my favorite kind of um, content I make and advice that I give and stuff is stuff that's really at its core for me. You know what I mean? So, um, and that one's totally for me. Like the reason I made that one is because I was just jotting down all these notes, um, you know, great details. Like, hey, you know, somewhere around 10% of your wish list are going to convert uh, to sales in the first week. That's useful information. You know, that really gives you a guide. Like, you know, full disclosure, if I launched Witchmore tomorrow, I would get like 20 sales. <laughs> right. And I mean, just from the wish list. Like, I, I know that, I know you're out there, out there, my fans are out there. I know that there's more than that <laughs> people watching and listening who will, who will pick it up. Um, but, you know, those kinds of marketing tips are useful. And so I put them all in the Steam Dev cheat sheet. And so um, I've already written the article. Um, it's very good. It's surprisingly long. I thought it was just going to be super dense because all I really wanted to do was just have different forms of content for that cheat sheet, you know, like it, it did really well on Twitter. People said, yo, Matt, we like this. So I'm like, okay, cool. I'll make a YouTube video. I'll make an article. The only thing I really wanted to do was make it in a different formats and then also have references, right? Cause that's the main thing that was missing is like the vast majority of the stuff in that sheet didn't come from me. It came from the hard work of people like, um, um, Simon Carles, Chris Zukowski and, uh, Jake Burkett. Burkett. So I'm working on that. It's coming along really well. And, uh, so look for that on YouTube. Um, and also through the newsletter. Uh, I'm pretty excited about that. I kind of categorize the things I'm working on uh, content-wise where I'm like, I have these uh, labels, <clears throat> tags is how they're used, and, and Ghost, the platform that I use for, uh, for blogging and news, newslettering. But um, I have a, a tag I call Fundament Dull. So it's like fundamental, but dull. Um, and that's what a lot of my content is, where it's like, you know, what engine should you pick? Like, you know, that's useful information, but it's really dull. It's never going to take off. It's not really going to go viral. It's not going to like, it's not exciting. You know what I mean? It's, it's not going to get people to share it. And then I have another tag I call needle movers, which is, um, those are the things that can actually move the needle for me, right? Like I could see a noticeable increase in book sales or newsletter subscribers or YouTube subscribers or whatever. Um, and the Steam Dev Cheat Sheet article and YouTube video is on my list of um, needle movers. And it's an interesting one to me because it's one of the very few where it's like, um, I, I'm, I'm not, like most, most of the ones there are just, I'm collaborating with people, like with, uh, with Derek Liu. Like he's, um, he's a prolific creator. He's got a, a very impressive following. So I would call that a needle mover, you know? He's got a way bigger following than I do. So um, a collaboration with him is great. Um, and so I'm really excited about the Steam Dev Cheat Sheet. Look for that. Uh, I'm focusing more on YouTube. Uh, as I mentioned, I, I love it. I've always loved it. I mean, music, 
old cartoons, old commercials, tutorials, how-to videos. I mean, master classes. There's a Final Cut Pro hour and a half long master class on YouTube for free. That is amazing. It's, um, I don't know what to say about YouTube. I, uh, I've always loved it. I'm, um, I'm only just now starting to take it seriously. Even at Lost Decade, we had like 500 subscribers and I was so happy when Make the Game uh, <laughs> got more than that. But it's funny because like I've always seen YouTube as this thing that like I can't do well on for some reason. And it's not true. I mean, it's in the name YouTube. It wants you to be on it. That's the whole thing, you know? Um, like your account on YouTube is a channel. That's how it works. <laughs> so I don't know. I haven't really been taking it seriously. I think because like, you know, the appeal of a podcast like this is, you know, the bar is really low and the barrier for entry is nominal. You could make a pot. You listening right now. I know some of you have podcasts. Good for you. Those of you who don't, you can do it. It's making a podcast is one of the easiest things. Whatever device you're listening on probably has a recorder and an app where you can record. And then like, you know, I use, uh, it used to be called Anchor. Uh, now it's called Spotify for podcasters. And it's one of these systems where you upload, you know, your MP3 and it'll distribute it to, you know, dozens or whatever platforms do it you know uh, there's no reason not to it's fun to talk it's uh, it's fun to get your your voice out there and you know surprisingly people um will listen anyway youtube i think is um harder because it's not as simple as a podcast right with youtube there's video and requires editing and for sure i've spent way more time on make the game just on the video editing side than anything else combined you know like even planning to talk to people, making the time to talk to people, doing some research, and then uh, scheduling posts and publishing the content I've made, all that stuff takes less time than just editing, say, like a 10-minute video, like that Chris C. Steam Marketing Gold, like that 10-minute edit I did. I don't know, two full days or something? Um, and that's that's about right. I think that's how long... Actually, so the last one with Derek Liu, I think the podcast, the editing of the podcast and the Splunky 2 trailer, I think I did that all in one day, but I did like work all day. <laughs> I think Andrea was busy with something and sometimes I just like, oops, I worked all day. But I mean, I had a lot of fun, right? That's my idea of a good time. Like, you know, I spent the first half of the day editing and uh, preparing the podcast and then, you know, I could spend the second half of the day, I probably should go play some like, some Left 4 Dead or something. Um, but instead I'm like, Ooh, <laughs> I mean, those, those that know me and listen to the podcast probably figured that, um, I was like, Oh man, I could make a Splunky 2 <laughs> video out of this. So really I just did that for fun. And I say that on the podcast too. I'm like, you know, this question is for me. I, uh, I know that the audience I have, I have gathered here is mostly interested in the game dev stuff. And so when I start talking about my favorite games, somewhat less interest, especially like, I don't know, Splunky 2 is probably not the most popular game ever. If I talked about something like Fortnite or something, I don't know. Anyway, um, <clears throat> so I'm working on YouTube. I'm kind of doubling down on it more, especially since uh, Twitter used to be my primary platform where I actually understood how to grow and I had a good plan for doing that. And it's just a dumpster fire now. It's rebranded as X and I don't even know what to say about that. <laughs> uh, I just feel like I'm back in 2008 when I click on that stupid logo. I'm like, I, I don't know. 
Um, YouTube, however, is very stabilized. You know what I mean? Like it, it's been owned by Google for ages and it doesn't seem to be changing or doing anything stupid like that. So um, that's why I'm doubling down on that. Um, also, I'm working on uh, a new game, uh, which should not be a shocker to uh, <laughs> maybe my new followers who came in through Witchmore are like, what? What do you mean new game? You're working on Witchmore? No, I'm working on like three games. <laughs> and that's like uh, most of the time. That's kind of my default state. And I think I might be going to um, Kickstarter because it just makes the most sense and it's um, I need to make some ambitious moves or I'm just going to crash into a wall eventually. So um, those of you listening to this are, are some of my you know biggest, most important supporters. So I hope that uh, this raises your eyebrows. Matt's going to do a Kickstarter. Open your wallets. <laughs> get to get ready to help me out and spread the word and stuff. Uh, it's it's coming fast, and I, I've got to, like I'm, I don't feel ready to start talking about it, but I need to just because um, I'm I'm trying to run a business here. I'd like to stay afloat. I don't want to. I don't want to have to go back and. Uh, Make someone else's dreams come true. I'm trying to make my own come true. Um, next up, new topic. So refocusing on game development. Um, I launched my book in March of 2022. And since then, I have cranked out 37 posts on Valadria.com. Um, I, th I think this is a new feature. It just told me it was like when I published the Derek Liu podcast. It was like, you've posted 37 in a row. Keep it going. Good job. And I was like... Really? That's a lot. I've been trying to hit, and, and mostly have, a uh, two-week cadence for newsletters and articles and stuff. And that's a lot of work, and uh, 37 is a lot of posts. On YouTube, there are, um, I have uploaded 62 videos, um, only 32 of which are currently listed, and I'm, I'm actually actively trying to push views to. Um, I also launched Making Big Indie Games, which I don't talk about much. I, I might talk about it at the end if I'm still feeling up to it. As a tutorial package I made, I don't know, I've, I've, got, I've, got, some, I've got some weird feels about it. We'll get into it. Uh, and also tons of uh, tweets and just content marketing stuff. Like, you know, I've also got a small following on LinkedIn. 700 followers is, is not nothing. Those of you that have been following me on Twitter back when it was Twitter have seen uh, just tons of con uh, comics and memes and video clips and threads. And, you know, I was I was a part time content marketer for most of this year. And especially like I was following what worked, you know, like I would work on a YouTube video or a podcast and it would get like 20 views and I'd be like, OK, that's not working. And I'd post some comics or some memes, and they're like, oh, okay, that's some interest. And so I'd post another comic, and then boom, I got my first viral one with the game dev tears. And so I was like, okay, something's here, and I need to figure out what that is, right? Um, surprisingly, the tears, uh, that was it. I, th I thought the tears would be just the beginning because there's more opinions to be had. I did another version, which only did about half as well retweets-wise, uh, less than that even. And then I made a tool... Um, make your own game dev tiers, which, you know, I mean, almost like a small weekend game jam. I put in the work to make a little web page where you can drag in the images I drew, and then uh, you can hit a reset button. I, I think that works. And then um, you can even like share it where, you know, I do this just because I know how to and I like to, but you hit a button and it creates a canvas and then it draws all of your tiers to the canvas and then brands it with my stuff and creates a little image for you. Very little interest in that. Super surprising to me. Anyway, lots of work on content marketing and getting the word out there for my book and my podcast, my YouTube channel, and um, I would say it's mostly been working, especially since I'm a one-person shop. 
um, my book just organically, I mean, not organically, because I, I, I have put in the work, but you know, my, I'm guessing mostly from just organic Amazon growth, but then also um, my Twitter comics, which I've spread quite a bit. Uh, the book gets two to 10 copies just kind of through ambient sales now at this point. And then sometimes like when I launched that Steam Dev Cheat Sheet, the first one, you could see my Amazon sales would like jump up to like 2018, 16, and then back down to like 10, five, and then two, just for that um, sheet. And, and like, there, maybe there are other things happening, but um, you know, I, I, <laughs> I have Google alerts out there. Like I'm usually aware if someone's, uh, someone has a big impact on a, like a, a link to the book or something. So I have almost no doubt in my mind that that Steam Dev cheat sheet brought in like, I don't know, 50? It's, it's really hard to tell, but um, you could see it on the graph. Like it's, it was visible, like a tangible, like there it is. Look, look what that, you know, content marketing effort did for the book. Um, and in that time, I've really launched like zero game products. So I, I did technically, I was really down on myself because I was like, oh man, I've been at this for like 18 months. You know, I'm cranking out podcasts and videos, but where are my games, you know? I, I did though. I'm being. I'm always too hard on myself. I am being too hard on myself. No more Deprecast. I'm not going to self-deprecate, or I'm going to limit it. But uh, I made Witchy. I did in that period of time. I think I need to check. Yeah, you know, I, I did because I did a, a newsletter blast for it too. The seven days roguelike thing. Yeah, I did. I did make one game. You know, it's it's rough. It's just a, a hackathon jam style. I did it for um, seven day roguelike, but it's a game. It's playable. It's something, and that's exactly the kind of advice I give people is just make a small game like just get get it going get the ball rolling crank one out but i still feel like i've gotten away from game development like i remember when talking to luke on the uh what was that the fruit ninja designer to solo dev with uh with luke muscat you know the idea of him making a game along with his video to me was very impressive because i'm like i can make one or the other and i feel like i'm pretty I'm pretty good at making games and I'm eh, I'm learning, I'm, I'm beginning to find my stride with making videos. Doing them both at the same time is honestly like a, like juggling and I can't juggle. I've tried to juggle, I can't. Um, I like to juggle like other things, you know, in life, but uh, <clears throat> the video and the game making together, uh, like my Pixel Washer video is pretty rough, I think. Um, I actually unlisted that one. I don't think it did a good job of uh, making a game and a video together. But anyway, I want to get back into focusing on game development. Like I've launched the, the book and the tutorial package, making big indie games. And I, I need to have a, a game out there, soaking up sales, gathering players, teaching me more as a game developer. So on that note, I'm trying, let's get to the next topic, uh, concept development. I'm trying to think of myself more as like a concept developer. So I had the concept of Witchmore and it was like underbaked. And um, I'll talk more about this in the future, of course, but like I made, I may have, I've flubbed some things with Witchmore for sure. Um, but one of them was that the concept didn't, it, it wasn't solidified enough before I um, took it from pre-production to production, basically. So I'm trying to think of myself more as like, I'm developing concepts and not I'm developing games yet. Once a concept has proven itself to me, then I, be, then I become a game developer to develop that game, right? And that's kind of what I was thinking with uh, trying with which with which with which more did not do this right? right with which more I was just like I have an idea and here's a game do y'all like it and like uh. and then with Pixel Washer I'm like there's no game yet 
right? I was like, here's a, here's just some concept stuff. Here's a, here's a screenshot for a game that doesn't exist. Here's a GIF for a game that doesn't exist. And then um, I made a pretty rough pitch deck, but I haven't shared it. I've only shared it with people who have um, DM'd me, which was uh, kind of the point, right? Like I was waiting, like I'm looking for people to reach out to me for these things. That's one of the signals, right? Is when you make a game that really entices people, like if they're not interested enough to reach out to you and ask you about it, are they gonna be interested enough to reach into their wallet and wanna pay you for it? Like, I don't know. That's one of the things I'm trying to figure out by thinking of myself more as a concept developer in the short term. Um, I guess I don't have too much more to say about that at the time, but I guess for me, I, I kind of always have multiple games. There's like one game which I've talked about and it's out there in the world and you can wishlist it and I'm working on it actively. One game I'm not ready to talk about or maybe I'm taking to Kickstarter and then like another game that I'm privately and quietly pitching to publishers that I haven't you know, uttered a word about online. Uh, and so I've always got, I'm trying to have multiple irons and multiple fires in that way. Um, next, I hate marketing. I hate it so much. No, I'm kidding a little bit. I don't know. I, I like certain things about it. You know, I've got these spreadsheets. I have these marketing channels spreadsheets, which are really useful, like especially back in the, uh, when I was doing well on Twitter, um, I knew what day of the week to post, what time to post, I knew what kind of thing to post, like what hashtag to use, yada, yada. Um, and you can see that in the growth of my account there where it like tripled in growth over like two months or something like that. Um, I like that kind of stuff. Um, content marketing especially, I really love because I just like making stuff. You know, I think people have been following me since the last decade days in like 2011 or something. Like you all know, I just like to make stuff. Um, I think probably a lot of you were not surprised to see a book from me. Um, and someday you would not be surprised to see like a, a music album or a, or a movie from me or... Uh, some, something else that kind of comes out of left field. And so a big part of content marketing was like content, which I hate that word, but just make stuff, you know, make stuff and put it out there. And if it's interesting, exciting, useful, whatever, I mean, just smash your, your brand on it. You know, that's what I've been doing is just stamp my book on it. Um, and as I said earlier, that's been pretty successful. You know, the book has sold over 4,000 copies. Uh, it's well on its way to five and I think a big part of that is because of the content marketing that I've done, and I really like that stuff. Um, I like scheduling posts a lot. A lot of the platforms I use allow, allow you to schedule. New ones like uh, Blue Sky don't. Um, TikTok added that recently. Boy, do I hate TikTok. <sighs> like a lot of these new platforms, I just don't get it. I regularly forget that Snapshot exists. I, like my friends mention it. I have multiple friends who, who have worked there. Uh, one, one of my friends is currently there. I'm like, what? And, and it pops up, Albrick. Um, I don't know why. I just have this blind spot for, for certain things. And like, I just, I, I forget about TikTok. And then the internet's constantly reminding me about TikTok. I'm like, oh yeah, TikTok. Um, but I think maybe I'm just too old. <laughs> you know how it is. Like, it's for, it's for kids. It's like, uh, when I was growing up, it was, uh, it was stuff like ICQ and then, and then MySpace. Um, I'm not the target market. So it, like, it, it doesn't, it wasn't made for me, and it makes sense. It doesn't make sense for me, I guess, to me. Um, I really hate scrutinizing my projects to see what makes them marketable. You know what I mean? Um, like, there's this stage of development, I think, especially for indie developers, where we're like, I've got this cool idea. I can, I, it's, it's foggy, but I can see it. There's, like, witches, and there's, like, ghost cats, and you got this, like, uh, this magic wand, and there's this, like, cursed mushroom forest coming after you and it's called Witchmore. And it's like, okay, that sounds kind of vague. Can you give me the three words that make this game unique? And I'm like, what? 
And like, why would I buy your game over this much cooler witch game? What? <laughs> or like, your art style doesn't excite me. Or, um, you know, what's the hook? Or, you know, write a one, a really enticing one paragraph Steam description. And now make it just the verbs. And then, you know, why would a publisher, or why would a journalist possibly want to talk about your game? Especially with like, okay, I'm a journalist, games journalist. So I'm thinking about writing for, you know, Rock, Paper, Shotgun, or IGN, or, you know, Games Radar. I don't know. Some, some big publication. I've got 900 emails in my inbox. And you come at me with your indie game. Why do I care about that? You know? And I feel like it's fair. It makes sense. It's like, yeah, there are a thousand new games every stinking day, man. Why should I care about this, this one? But then it like... It just like squeezes the fun out of it, squeezes the love out of it, you know? It makes things, it pushes things towards, away from creativity and, and more towards just like chop it up and sell it. And it's a sliding scale. And, and like sometimes they can match up. Like it, it's, not, it's not all or nothing, you know? Like you can be both wildly creative and extremely marketable, right? Just look at, um, Everything Everywhere All at Once is a great example. And, you know, you see it in games uh, sometimes, like, um, I don't know, Undertale or something. Um, but I wonder sometimes, like, if would, would Undertale as a concept have survived the, like, the marketing filter if, like, a bunch of executives got a hold of it and, and demanded to know what's valuable about, valuable about it and what's hooky about it? And that way. Like, maybe, I don't know. But um, I just, I kind of resent that part of marketing. And... and <laughs> and again, it's fair. You know what I mean? Like, um, which more it's hard to sell right now because it's not uh, like the the direction is a little um, obscured and 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 the art style. Well, I like it. I think it's not like of the time. I think when people see it, they think of um, one of the flash game heyday was what was like mid two thousands. Um, definitely started in the nineties. I remember flash games, but like that's kind of what it looks like. It's what. what it makes people think of, and that was a while ago, and it kind of hits that area where it's like fashion, where it's like, you know, bell bottoms in the in the 90s or 80s or something. Yeah, maybe 80s. We're like frowned upon because the bell bottoms were popular 10 years ago in the 70s, right? And so it, it, it just looks like a little outdated. Like it can come into style again. Like I've actually heard, I don't know, I don't have enough kids. I've heard uh, kids these days like, like bell bottoms coming back into, into fashion. But anyway, uh, Marketing kind of like ruins the fun in some ways and in a fair way, in a sobering way, in a way where it's like, wake up, you know, are you just making this game for yourself or are you actually trying to sell this to like thousands of people? But I don't love that part of marketing. You know, I just want to make cool games from your heart and you shoot from the hip and you can do that. We can all, we can all always go do that. But you know, if you want to make a business out of it, then you've got to, you got to take marketing into account. I actually have a, uh, a degree. I graduated from uh, Southern Illinois University with a degree in uh, mass communications. My uh, specialty was radio television, and I had a minor in marketing, believe it or not. So some of these, these terms that I read about these days, like the marketing mix and marketing channels, like I'm like, oh yeah, I remember hearing about that in a, like a lecture hall, you know? So I have like some knowledge of this stuff. I'm working on an article right now where like i was thinking about getting more and more into marketing but you know talking earlier about refocusing on game development 
that's what I need to do. That's, that's just what's in my, my heart, you know? Um, but I have another marketing article I'm working on. Uh, it's called something like, there are really just three things you need to worry about when marketing your game. And this is another thing I <laughs> dislike about marketing is, you know, the names of things get irritating too. Like um, with YouTube thumbnails, they need to look like, wow, like, you know, the one thing that keeps you up at night or, you know, these are the only three things that matter or like, uh, I, I hate that type of filter as well, you know, but, but like, I get that you need to name your stuff, stuff like that, or people just won't click on it. They won't view it. You know, like, like there's a way to name. So, so the idea is that like, there's a million marketing things to know, but there's really only like, here's the thing. I'll just give this one away because this is out there. And Chris C said this on our podcast was just, it's all about your game. That's the main thing, right? That, that's like all that really matters. And I could call the article something like, hey, there's a lot of things to worry about with marketing, but here are just a few that I think could solve your problems. And that would be rambly, too long, not very exciting. But then I could call it something like, there's just one thing you need to worry about. Or the the three things that'll make your game explode or something. And like, I don't know, my eyes just kind of glaze over when, when it comes to that kind of stuff. I mean, naming is hard. Naming has always been hard. But that's the, uh, that might be my last uh, like stab at uh, marketing focused content for a while because like I'm not a marketing expert and I've already made some stuff with people um, who are better at that than I am. So um, yeah, it's, it's really all about the game. So that's what I'm trying to, uh, as a concept developer, that's what I'm trying to focus on is like, I, it's not that I hate marketing, it's that I want it to be all about the game. And marketing is a reminder that like, it needs to be all about an exciting game that other people want to give you money for, which is such a different specific thing than like, here's a game that I think is cool that I want to make. You know what I mean? That's much different than like, it's even different if a game, if people think a game looks cool, that's different than them wanting to play it. And that's different than, from them wanting to play it for a long time. And that's different from them wanting to actually pay you for your game. Those are all different steps. And every step of the way, your game needs to be so exciting, it like drags people up that that ladder or that it's really a marketing funnel, whatever. Anyway, um, yeah, I feel really conflicted about marketing because like I've, I've taken the equivalent of like a marketing masterclass over this last year, you know, talking to Chris Dukowski, uh, compiling all these marketing sheets. I did a game marketing cheat sheet. Um, I've learned so much and, you know, Marketing kind of reminds me of Spelunky in a way. <laughs> Here it is. You knew it was coming. I was going to mention, uh, somehow bring marketing back to Spelunky, but Spelunky is kind of a game of, of memorizing all these tiny little differences between things. And like the, the whip button does something different if you're hanging from a ledge than it does if you're just standing there. And if you're, say, holding a crate or a chest and you're just standing there and you hit the whip button, you're going to throw it. But if you're holding up and you hit the whip button, you're going to open the chest or the crate. And you got to be careful with that because sometimes that means you're going to instantly pick up what's inside of it. And if it's, if it's an item that you don't want to pick up, like in Splunky 1, I hate the climbing glove, then in that case, you know, you got the glove. You have no choice to see what's inside and consider it. Anyway, I could talk about Splunky all day as you know, but marketing kind of reminds me of that where it's like, okay, look, you're on Twitter. so. You never want to post more than two hashtags because blah, blah, blah. Or look, you're on LinkedIn. No one checks LinkedIn before 1 p.m. So blah, 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 blah. Or look, you're on TikTok. So you need to lower your quality bar, 
right? You try less, uh, make more videos, that kind of like. And, and you know, the cheat sheets are all about this too. 10% of your wishlist converted, and like, oh, if you want a follower to wishlist conversions, 10, like it's, it's a lot of that. And if you like, you know, if you want to be an encyclopedia for that kind of thing, but that's the thing, right? Is it's all like min-maxing. Those are the things that really only matter if you actually have a sizable audience and a thriving business to where you're like, okay, look, does it actually matter if you post on you know, YouTube at 6 p.m. or 8 a.m.? I don't know, but it probably does matter if you're talking about the difference between your audience of 50,000 seeing it or, or not. You know what I mean? But for the rest of us, none of that marketing stuff matters a bit. It's just make make a fantastic game, right? And in my marketing article, I'll talk about the other two things that matter. Maybe that'll be it, it won't. I'll, I'll keep talking about marketing forever. Uh, anyway, um, so being authentic online is the last um, topic here. And um, that's kind of what today's podcast is all about is um, I wanna get back to podcasting and, you know, maybe I'll get into this in a bit, but like when, when I post on Twitter, it's very like, it's not even Twitter anymore, but. You know, it'd be very clean and, and uh, thought to like, emojis and proper sentences and it's all clean and cut and dry and very crisp and um, it's not very me, you know what I mean? It's like there's this filter of like my content I put out or something and I um, I really hate it. So my wife, Andrea, um, who I have had on uh, Lost Cast before and someday I will, I will convince her to be on, uh, on Make the Game. Um, she's a, a UX... Uh, expert, uh, a user experience um, director, um, and a, a lovely lady, a really cool and smart person, and I love her very much. Um, anyway, she occasionally says shockingly insightful things to me that just kind of like stop me in my tracks, you know? And um, she was like, you're so funny in person and, and so personable, like all your content online is just so like dry and stiff and doesn't feel like you. And I completely agree. And um, I think I know why? I mean, knowing knowing is half the battle, as we know. Um, so right off the bat, like when I started um, Valadria, it was with a like an educational game dev book, how to make a video game all by yourself, right? And um, I wanted it to be squeaky clean. There were a couple different moments where the book could have had some some dirty moments, some dirty content, either you know drawings or an occasional uh, f bomb or something like that. And I was like, I, I just, I wanted kids to be able to read it, you know? And the, the, the advice in there is, is supposed to be like global and, and evergreen, universal, you know, helpful to anybody at any level for the most part. Just, I, you know, I wanted to be able to see it in uh, classrooms if, if teachers thought it was appropriate for, for that. Um, and so I've kind of um, mirrored that. You know, and, and like that's how I see online content as well with like, you know, the tutorial videos that we all watch, like Brackies and however else we learn through YouTube and whatnot. They're all squeaky clean for the most part. And in person, like I am a cursy sailor, right? Um, and I don't like cursing on the podcast, I guess, because I just, it's like, it's game dev educational stuff. I follow other podcasters and um, some of them curse, some don't, and uh, I will see people, they discuss it once in a while, and one person was like, hey, I totally get where you're coming from, uh, I don't mind the cursing personally, but the only time I ever get to listen to your show is when I'm driving my kids uh, to and from school and soccer and stuff like that, and he's like, you know, <laughs> 
I don't object to the content. It just really sucks for me because it means I just, my hands are tied. Like I can't wear headphones in the car. It's dangerous. So like, you know, the, the, the commute, I used to have to spend two hours in the car. Anyway, you get it, right? And if it was like, if I was a comedian, you know, if it was comedy content, which is, would probably actually make me happier. That's, that's kind of how I, like in real life, I, I'm more like, I don't know. I'm just trying to find ways to make people laugh. <laughs> like I think of myself more as, not I think of myself as a comedian, but like, Probably more how I come across, as I'm always just trying to be fun and light and look for jokes and stuff. And I don't think I come across that way um, online. So yeah, the first reason is probably because it's like, uh, it's educational content that I'm creating here, whether uh, I think about it that way or not. It's kind of the shape it fits in, I think. Um, I'm kind of shy, especially like, when I actually speak my mind once in a while, this is like when I get quote retweeted a thousand times and everybody dunks on me, so that's not fun. Um, I like to be opinionated in real life and I can be a kind of a tough love person. I think you get a little bit of that in my book, but I don't know. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to do a podcast like this where I'm just being very frank and very kind of raw and kind of unedited is because, you know, in a, in a tweet, you can't get this kind of nuance across, right? Like if you if you have a sentence or you're like, yeah, you say, you say this or that or whatever, people, they, uh, they, they get the wrong message from it. They fill in the blanks. They don't get your nuance. You don't have the ability to like emphasize words. You just, you know, you miss something there. Um, and I think because of that, I end up being, I end up being pretty shy and pretty, pretty dry online. Um, and then there's also this one, which is, this is kind of a, an excuse, um, but I think I'm getting better about this slowly. I feel like with most of this stuff, I'm still surprisingly novice. Um, like I shouldn't be by now with the podcast. Hopefully this podcast has been fun to listen to, even if it's rambly and rough. Um, and because like we did Lost Cast for like seven years, you know, like I hope, I hope when you listen to uh, the interviews and stuff, they don't sound embarrassing, like... <laughs> I, I should be okay at, at doing the podcast by now, but it's like, it's difficult when there's so many distractions. Like I think, you know, the presence of YouTube itself probably made the podcast worse for a bit. <laughs> Just in the fact where it's like, why is there a six minute episode? And it's like, well, because I, because it's really for YouTube. I probably should have put that one only on YouTube, but that's just the podcast stuff. There's also like, I did an audiobook earlier this year, uh, which was, a struggle. Uh, I surprisingly was not as easy as I thought it would be. It took way more time. And it also kind of wrecked me because, you know, when, <laughs> like, I guess the natural, authentic uh, version of myself is kind of a, a blah, 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 blah. you know, like I, I speak quickly. I, I tend to uh, blur my words together. I think I get excited and I probably want to talk faster um, than I should. And when you're doing the audiobook, you must enunciate every single word very clearly. And I would never say very clearly. I would say that, you know, very clearly like that. You know, like just, just having to go through that filter of the audiobook really did make me stiff, stiffer than I probably already was for a period of time. So annoying too, because I used, um, I forget what I used, but I used some platform that lets you upload your uh, audio book once and then it distributes it to like 50 places. I was like, wow, I could have a new, you know, a new skew out there making money uh, on 50 places shortly here. And then, um, yeah, I don't know how it works. It was like, I think I've seen it on one platform. It, it's a slow rollout, but I feel like I have no control over it and I'm very um, uninformed. <laughs> 
I should go look into that. But anyway, the audiobook really um, messed me up. And uh, that's one of the reasons I wanted to do a kind of a rough podcast like this, where it's kind of, I don't know, kind of intimate, kind of um, uh, rough. Um, here's the thing, too, is like when, uh, I hate this one, when I'm online, I'm like, I mean, it depends on where I'm at, you know, like I can still have fun online. I was actually chatting with a friend recently about how like, I don't, like Discord is just a place for friends for me. You know, like all my Discord interactions, I'm, I'm just having a good time. And then like, I'm more likely to post there and post memes and shoot links and stuff like that. But when I'm posting in other places, like the whole time, ever since I've launched my book, it's all been salesy. You know what I mean? It's like I am trying to sell, some, sell something. And so I don't really want it to be as kind of like rough. And like my authentic self, when you come to my house, like I was born in, in the Midwest. I'm, I'm a very like hostery kind of person. Um, my mother was the kind of person who would like come bring me and my friends cookies and milk. She was a ba she's a baker, you, you know, like she would bring in um, snacks and she would, everybody have what they need. And, you know, if friends were staying over, it'd be like, here's extra blankets and extra um, everything you need, pillows and, and whatever. And that's how I am as a host too. Like when you, you come to my house, I will cook for you. I will make sure you have water or coffee and tea. I don't want you to pay for anything or worry about anything. And that's like how it feels with like a, a, an account, like a YouTube or a Twitter or like a website is people are coming to your home and when they do that online like the whole purpose for Valadria is I'm like welcome to my home buy my stuff do it get your wallet out you know and it's that makes that's another thing that filters my authentic self because I am not that person I hate asking for things from anybody I'm, I'm, I'm like I don't like asking for ketchup at a restaurant I'm, not, I'm that kind of like I should talk to my therapist about this probably right but like, I don't want to ask for people to buy my book, which is only $14.99 on Amazon.com and you can get it for $9.99 on Itch or Gumroad. <laughs> I hate it. Like, um, that's probably why I'm not a naturally good salesperson, right? Like if I, if I were, I would have sold more books by now. I would probably be engaging more online. Um, I don't like to do that stuff, uh, but I am trying to get better about it. And that's kind of what, again, with this podcast is, uh, what the point is to get me more comfortable with this stuff and better at this stuff. So that's one other thing that kind of like uh, I haven't quite reconciled is um, the whole point of Valadria is I, I need people to come in, buy my books, buy my tutorial packages, support my games, back my Kickstarters and all that stuff. And I inherently like, I need to reconcile the fact that like I am a host, I'm, I'm welcoming people into the world that I've created here, right? But like, I'm, <laughs> I also need to ask you for stuff. And I hate asking for stuff, but uh, I'm, I'm getting better about it. I have done it a lot. You've heard it. If you've been listening to the podcast, uh, I almost always mention the book at the end, at least. Uh, even though I, at least with the book, it's a small ask. It's 10 or 15 bucks, and I genuinely think it's great. And I, I feel, I don't really feel that way about most of the stuff I've made. Um, which is a probably, okay, final topic of the day, I guess, is a pretty good segue into making big indie games. Because you haven't heard me talk much about this because... Um, I don't feel the same way. I, I, I'm just being honest here. I, I, I it's good, um, and I and I, I believe in the content itself, but I don't like the value is not there considering how to make a video game all by yourself, right? Making big indie games, um, 
Okay, so it's a tutorial package. It's a 50 page about ebook and there's about 12 videos, which is like an hour 20 or something like that. And on one end, I'm like, that's impressive. That's a movie, right? Like some movies are only an hour, hour and a half. But on the other side, I'm like, there are other tutorial packages you can buy. They're like 40 bucks and it's like six hours or something. I mean, that's the thing, right? Is it's like the internet is so varied. Believe it or not, I actually saw advice to charge 300 bucks for a tutorial package even of that size. And I just, I couldn't stand that. So right off the bat, I was like, okay, <laughs> I cannot in good consciousness like charge $300 for this. Even though I do think that like some of you generous fans probably would have bought it right up. So that was probably like decent advice. I just couldn't do it. So I was like, okay, 150. And then even then I was like, I can't <laughs> like 150 bucks. Like, so I, I, I knocked 50 bucks uh, off of it and I launched it at hundred bucks, which was like, that was the that was the lowest I could accept, um, or, or sorry, the highest. I was like, I will not, like I can't price it any higher than that just because I'm too like, like I wasn't born into money or anything, you know what I mean? So I've struggled with the price a lot. I've been wanting to mark it down. Let me explain why. So uh, this is really adorable, prepare yourselves. This is a handwritten note from my mother. It reads, Matthew, December 29th, 1987. So I was seven years old. This is a direct quote. Mom, I don't like things to be expensive. When I grow up, I want to be a selling man that tells the prices and I'll make them very low. I like to have people come in my show place. Seven years old, reminder, okay? So my English is not great there. <laughs> but really cute, right? And I, I, I don't remember this. I'm glad my mom wrote it down. Uh, but I'm pretty sure, it had to have been because there was something I wanted and like, you know, as I mentioned, we didn't have a lot of, a ton of money and I was like the youngest of a, of two older brothers. So like if anybody was going to get something nice, it was only always my oldest brother, John. So anyway, there was lots of stuff I couldn't afford. Like I remember, uh, I had to save up mowing lawns to get my first, uh, Borland C++ compiler. It was 50 bucks at the local college bookstore. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, I do like things to be affordable. I do agree with low prices. I don't like to see greed of any kind. Platforms charging 30% is too much. I don't know. But the other point of making big indie games is as a support package for me, basically, right? Like I tell people, you go to the page, you go to look at making big indie games. It says, it's like, check out my free articles, check out my cheap book. And then it's like, if you still, you know, plus like I point people, I'm like, look at all, like go to GDC, go to the GDC vault, <laughs> like go, go to the GDC YouTube channel and watch everything there. And then if you still have time left, come back and then go through all my free content. You know what I mean? Like I tell people there's all this free stuff, like you don't have to buy anything. So that's one of the reasons that the, the price is high is because it's like a support package, right? Like it doesn't actually help if someone buys like a $1 package for me, unless I can sell a thousand or 5,000 of them or something, right? But when something is priced like a hundred bucks, um, it is really helpful to me. And um, every time I get an email that someone has pr purchased making big indie games, it like, it makes my day. It like, I feel like that day is okay now. <laughs> Versus like the book sells every day, but it's like, it's never gonna pay the, the actual bills um, with, a, with a small rate like that. Anyway, I really deep in my bones wanna mark the price down. I wanna make it like, 50 to 25 bucks, but the, and I might someday, um, 
but you know, like the people actively buying it, uh, I don't want to make them feel because they're my biggest supporters. Like I, I, I need you, I need you folks. Um, and so I don't want to offend any of you or make you feel like you got ripped off or anything. So I got to time that, um, uh, somewhat, um, I got to put the word out there or something. Also the, the one year anniversary of this package was yesterday and I really meant to shout about it, but, um, um, anyway, that's the thought I was getting at earlier is like the, the price was too high and I feel like the, the quality is good, but it's not like, you know, it's not 10 times better than my book. You know what I mean? And so for that reason, um, for those multiple reasons, I haven't really been promoting it as heavily. You know, I know it's a big ask. I know a lot of people, a hundred bucks is like a month, uh, you know, like, I don't even know. I just, I just know that money is very relative and a uh, hundred bucks isn't a ton of money in California, but in other parts of the world, it is a ton of money. So um, I totally get that. I also say this too, on the page, which doesn't get a lot of traffic, but if you want a discount on it, uh, DM me, you know, like I'm a reasonable person. And, um, like when I was a kid, uh, you know, getting 50% off or, or more on something would have been the difference between whether or not I could afford it, you know? So, um, I've also got this like inclination for a long time. I've been, I think it's because again, I want to raise the value bar to hit that hundred dollar mark. So I've been wanting to add more stuff to making big indie games. I have written a second section, um, and I, I cover content mountain here as well. But here's the thing is that's interesting is like, I was talking to a friend recently who was thinking about also doing like a free content update on something. And like, just from a business perspective and maybe a creator's perspective, like it, I don't know if it makes sense always, right? Because we need our fans to support us. And we're, if we're going to do free work, we're not going to survive. You know what I mean? So like, the the business and the and the childlike seven year old part of me who just wants everything to be cheap or free, I want to add a bunch of new content for making big indie games. I want to call it bigger and better, and I want to knock the price way down. I want to kind of relaunch it. But the other side of me is like, it's um, it's been purchased by a small portion of my super fans. Thank you very much. But it hasn't really like taken off. It definitely hasn't shown me that it's ready for like ad spends. Whereas the book has, you know what I mean? Like, um, we were doing some a small ad spends in the book last year around Christmas time, and like the ads would were like triple, quadruple effective sometimes. I I don't I can't think of any platform that would be true for making big indie games, but maybe I'm wrong. Anyway, like the time I could spend on getting that new content in there, I would love to do it. It would make me feel better about getting value to my customers or whatever. But like that time just from a business and creative perspective would be way better spent for me to like repackage it for you demi or you know if i were to make a making big indie games bigger and better package maybe that's a brand new skew because it's been over a year right like i should either bury it and say it was a uh you know it paid for its own development but not further development which is probably about accurate for it or or make something new i don't know Anyway, uh, I've talked about that enough. I want to thank you for listening to this podcast. I know it was rambly. I think it's kind of fun to kind of get back on the rails of, uh, of uh, I don't know, authenticity or something. But that's it. You know, buy my book, buy my stuff. Uh, I can hear my dog over there. I'm going to go pet my dog, talk to my wife. I hope you all have a great day. Thanks for listening. <laughs>